Hello, this is Jack Ritchie, lead pastor of Happy Hill Church. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our service today. May you be strengthened in your faith, inspired to love, and filled with hope from today's message. So I was thinking about that this week, and I'm going to move out uh, from our grace series for today because I feel like I've got an emergency broadcast to release. <clears throat> so a couple of things. One, um, Jesus said from the days of John the Baptist until now, till the present age of what Jesus was doing, he said the kingdom of heaven had suffered violence and the violent were to take it by force. Really, the, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. It, it was suffering it, from the standpoint that that word really is about having intense pressure laid on it. And so those who were going to be violent to take it by force were going to have to, well, number one, have somebody who could lay hold of the violence and ease the pressure. And that was Jesus. But then there were those of us who would enter the kingdom. And there are days, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, there are days where it seems like life couldn't get any better, and yet it still can, walking with the Lord. And then there can be times where there's just a sensing of great pressure, stress, oppression, something pressing. There are times like that that I believe that the Lord will often give us insight maybe to something that's taking place. Now when I say I don't know of anything going on, I know that um, some people are dealing with out of the ordinary situations of their life. Okay. I, I realize we have some in the congregation do that. And I'm not talking about something that I think is just connected to Happy Hill. I believe this is a global word. And if you don't normally, if you're on Facebook, but you do not normally share the live stream, um, I would encourage you right now to take out your phone, pull up Facebook, turn your volume down. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll all be hearing this. And click on and share the live stream as it's going live. But maybe you might not be able to do that now. Feel free to do it now. But if not now, sometime later today, go on the Happy Hill Facebook page and share. Because I believe what I'm going to share is something that's happening globally. And I'm not going to focus on the world. I'm going to focus on our life, circumstances, situations where we're at. Thursday of this week, I just felt strongly the Lord remind me about something that He had brought to my attention probably back in 2020, but certainly throughout 2021. And I've shared this with a few people, but Thursday I just felt a quickening of the Lord. I've never had a, a stirring or even sensing that he wanted me to share about this until uh, this week. And then it's just grown with intensity. And so with that, I want to take us back through a few reminders. I'll try to navigate through the word the best I can, the quickest I can. But I'm going to say up front, don't, don't check out. Aaron has no idea not a clue as far as the word that God's been dealing with me about since Thursday and his prophetic declarations number one Aaron doesn't do that that often and he usually doesn't do it with that intensity but when the spirit of the Lord rests upon a life sometimes things we're not normally intense about his intensity and passions come through us and so it could be easy to just kind of overlook that word I want to encourage you. For some, that word was like an arrow of the Lord. It struck you, hit you, and you yielded to it. For some, the, the, the word can be for all of us, but it's not necessarily as specific to me. Maybe something was already happening as we were worshiping the Lord this morning with various songs and as the team was leading us. And for some, perhaps, it'll be through the word. What I'm, I guess, kind of trying to challenge us is it could be really easy to drift off and get distracted over the next amount of time releasing this word. Now, 
I've had people go sleep on me before. Been doing this for, dear goodness, 26. Well, I've been in ministry almost 30 years. I put a lot of people to sleep. Doesn't bother me in the least little bit. There can be distractions, any number of things sometimes that we think of, you know, we haven't thought of it in 15 years, that urgency thing that we need to do right now, but right now it becomes really urgent and I need to take care of that and so I get distracted. But sometimes our distractions aren't our own distractions. And sometimes the slumber isn't necessarily that we just need a nap or that somebody is boring us. Sometimes it's actually an assignment of the enemy trying to work in our life. And I want to caution you. Be aware of that. So some reminders. I actually asked him for the, that video today. I said, found that video. I said, I want to play that because some of you came in expecting to hear the Grace series today, and we're going to continue on. It's going to take us still uh, several more weeks to get through that. But I would submit to you today, this message is about grace, although I'm not teaching on grace. When the Lord breathes into our life, a strategy that the enemy may have in place so that we can walk free of that, to me, that's just another measure of his great love and grace extended to us. So I was reminded uh, about this year and back in the early part of the year when the Lord said that this would be a year to watch. And from the watch standpoint, it wasn't just meaning with natural eyes, although I believe it certainly is applicable. It was more the posture of prayer. So in the New Testament, a lot of times we, we see this word watch. Jesus actually was with his disciples in the garden. And he said, watch and pray that you not enter into temptation. It's watchful. Old Testament, we hear about the watchman. And often, at least in various passages, Isaiah certainly reflects this. Watchman, what do you see from the wall? Today, I'm not here to teach. I'm not necessarily here to preach. I am here as a watchman on the wall to identify something that's been going on. Perhaps it's affecting our life, but if it hasn't affected our life, there's a good possibility this particular voice is going to try. This particular voice out of darkness, we should never come into agreement with anything that darkness has to say. But this one, this one is taking people out of the earth. This is a year to watch. These are things that the Lord spoke to us back in, in fact, on January the 2nd, 2020. It's a year to be observant, to be alert, to be vigilant. And I shared out of Genesis 19 about the story of Lot and his family being rescued out of Sodom. And the Lord said that this would be a year where simultaneous things would happen. There would be judgment for some and mercy. There would be chaos, but there would be peace. It would be volatile, but there would be safety in the ark, meaning his presence, his provision, his protection. There would be great opportunity for distraction, but we should be resolute. For some, it would be like the blind was leading the blind, but we could live and walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation with keen sight and insight. For some, they would become worn out, but we could be strengthened and rested even in the midst of great turmoil. For some, it would become a year to procrastinate and put things off. But we should anticipate and deal with the things the Lord would bring to our attention. This would be a year where it could be easy for some to retreat and fall behind or actually turn back to things of the past. Or this could be a year where we could advance and move ahead into the things that God has planned for every individual, for families, for, for local assemblies, for countries, for territories, for nations. That this would be a year in which we would see things become more flesh-centered. But we could avoid that and we could walk spirit-led lives. It would be a year where, where the spirit of revelation would bring uncovering and exposing. And I'll submit to you, that doesn't just have to do with the government 
of this country or another country, it also has to do with his local house or his body around the world. It would be as though people would make us make statements. What has happened to people? It seems like they've lost their mind and their just their plain common sense. Though the year of 2022 would be tumultuous, yet there will be great victories and advancement for those who would find themselves being watchful. I don't know what day it was. I think maybe Friday or maybe it was yesterday. I just felt this stirring. Go back and share again the things I've said because people have gotten comfortable again and they're not being watchful. I'm not saying everybody in here, when I say people, it is a universal word. But if you started this year off being really watchful and diligent and you would look in your life today and say, I'm not too watchful and diligent in the place of prayer, make a determination today to change that. The Lord said to be watchful and at the end of those statements, I don't even remember having this in my notes. I remember making the statement and I added them at a later message. But I remember making the statement in this year to watch. Be watchful and watch over your families. It can be really easy if we have family members who aren't walking in the place we think they should walk with the Lord to instead of praying, complain about it, murmur about it, gripe about it, get into conversation with somebody else and actually tear down the very one that we're wanting to see walk with the Lord and we're not realizing we're not being watchful because if it's true and if it's in the Word, so for me it is true, in Proverbs, the power of life and death found on the tongue, we need to be cautious what we're saying. I'm saying some of that even in my own life. Something that the Lord cautioned me about early, early, early in the year. And I've tried to be very, very watchful over it. I'm telling you, you can't be watchful by accident. It will be with intention and purpose. Because if we aren't intentional and purpose, we'll find ourselves in the middle of May. And there are some things that we're not being watchful over. And some of our family members, they don't know how to watch. And they don't know how to pray. And some of our family members don't want anything to do in, in the way that they're looking at. They don't think they want anything to do with the Lord. We need to be watchful over them, praying over them. Is that me? Be watchful over your family. And here's some things he said. You'll have to stay focused and resolved. We will have to stay or be intentional. We'll need to remain settled and grounded in the written word of God. Not, not overlooking the voice that the Lord of the Lord speaking, but I'm telling you, a voice that I'm getting ready to release out of Scripture today so closely mimics the voice of God. That if we're not lining it up with the written word of God, it would be easy for even elect mature people to get deceived. And that's scripture. We need to be settled, remain settled and be grounded in the word. Prioritize his presence because there's something in all of this that God is doing. He said that he was building unshakable faith. Which means anything in our lives that could be shaken will be shaken has the potential for being shaken so that what remains would be unshakable faith probably back in 2020, 2021 somewhere in there I, I can't say that the Lord just said to me I just had an awareness there is some type of voice and this is the way that I could only communicate it. There is some type of a voice out of darkness that is trying to get buy-in. It's trying to get people to surrender authority by bringing 
manipulations as though something that is false was actually real. So I want to preach about a tale of two kings. All of this is found, there's, there's actually three different books of the Bible, four, six chapters that deal with this. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 18 and chapter 19. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and 32. And it's found in Isaiah 36 and 37. I'm going to mainly refer to Isaiah 36 and 37. The godly king is Hezekiah. And in, in 2 Kings 18, 2 Chronicles 31, and in Isaiah 36, um, and more so the, the previous two, it really deals with this great work that King Hezekiah was doing. Uh, he was bringing revival back into the land. He was a reformer and bringing reformation back into the land. He was setting things in order. If it had to do with false idols, uh, idolatrous worship, they were tearing stuff down. They were tearing false god idols, uh, places of worship. It was being dismantled. Even things all the way back to the bronze serpent with Moses. Just, they were ta- he was taking it all down. Because we're going to get back to one thing. We're going to get back to being a people of God. And so in the midst of his administration and, and his leadership as a king, there's another king by the name of Sennacherib. Sennacherib is known as one of the most ruthless, unmerciful, and dangerous kings in the Old Testament. And he is making an advancement against Judah. And now he's actually occupying territory, but Hezekiah actually opposes him and won't surrender to him. And so those are the two kings that we see here 2 Kings 18, 19, 2 Chronicles 31, 32, Isaiah 36, and 37. I don't want to focus so much on the kings. It's actually another position. It's the position called Rabshakeh. It's a voice. Rabshakeh would be considered like a chief of staff to the king. The leader of the king's lead. Authority of the king, authorized by the king, the face of the king, the voice of the king. And so we find this Rabshakeh being the voice of the king. And so I don't know how long ago it's been now, maybe three months ago, from time to time, Alberta will send me, uh, send Alicia and I, uh, maybe a video clip she's come across or a teaching. And this particular day, it came from Dutch Sheets. And so I read it. As I begin to read it, it was the first time that I saw what I had become aware of somewhere in 2020 or 2021 about there is some kind of a voice. And I'm telling you, it is... It's one that is trying to convince people things are happening in their life, and it's not. Now, please, let me make a disclaimer here. I'm not saying every issue in our life is what I'm going to share out of Scripture today. There are times, let's be honest, there are sometimes there are some physical things that happen in our life because we're just not as young as we used to be. Sometimes there are things that happen in our physical life because the truth is we just don't take care of ourselves. We want to blame the enemy for it, but the reality is it's our neglect. And so our neglect brings us to a place. Sometimes there are truly physical things that go on. Now in all of that, we can find grace in the heart of the Lord and He is still our healer. We just may have to make some adjustments and changes in our life to partner with Him in doing so. Because I do definitely believe God heals and delivers sovereignly. I believe that's one of the ways He does. I also believe that God created us, that there is healing property within our own physical bodies. 
And so there are times, I'm going to call that, sometimes God will brings healing naturally, the very thing that He's already placed within us to do. And I also believe, and I know there are some, I'm not necessarily saying some here, I just know that there are some ministers who would, they'd like to take me to task over, but it won't change my mind. I also believe that God works through and heals through the medical field. I believe ultimately He's the one that gets the glory. I believe He's the one that provides the knowledge, the insight, the wisdom. So there are various ways that He may heal or deliver, but He's the one that gets the glory for the healing and the deliverance. And so I'm not saying every possible thing that could be affecting our life is this issue. I'm saying we need to be aware of a voice of Rabshakeh. Not, it's not a person. It's a voice that represented a king. In this context, an evil king, a ruthless king, a merciless king, a destructive king. So here's what I want to go through. This voice seems to be very relentless. It's a barraging type voice. It's trying to get buy-in. It's trying to get someone to surrender their authority. And there are things that it'll work through. And then we're going to look at the scriptures. Intimidation. Threats. Accusation. Tries to get people to question authority. The authority of God in their life. It's an assault, a relentless assault against the mind and the emotions. It challenges truth. It challenges belief systems with lies, deception, and manipulation. And one of the ways it works out of that voice is to release false afflictions, symptoms, and manifestations. And when I say false, I mean it will feel real, but it's not. That's why I wanted to qualify up front. I'm not saying everything. And there are times where this is involved. And when it is, when it is, it's so deceptive that it can be easy if we're not careful to come into agreement with it. So here are some things. Let's look at Scripture. Let's work through Isaiah 36 and 37. Number one, I shouldn't say number one. One of the things it does, it attacks confidence. Here, it's the confidence they had in the Lord. Now, it came to pass, verse 1 through 5, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then the king of Assyria sent a Rabshakeh with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to him. So these three are with King Hezekiah, the good guys. They're with the Israelites. Verse 4, Then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this in which you trust? I say to you, or I say you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? The word is from the evil king, but the voice is the chief of staff. The voice is Rabshakeh. In Revelation, we know it says that the enemy knows that he has but a short time. Now for us, when we look at over 2,000 years, that seemed like a long time to us. But again, we're talking about eternal beings and there is no element of time in the way that we know time. Daniel says about this, this one, the ruler of darkness, that he will try 
to change, shift, adjust times and seasons. Now, ultimately, we believe in the sovereignty and the will of God. But we also know God has chosen for man to have a will of their own. So, therefore, we lend to this reality. Everything's finished as far as he's concerned. He knew the beginning even from the end, and he knew the end from even the beginning. And so he's leading us. He's directing us. This particular assignment my perception of it, is one of the things it's going to, it has been doing and will try to do is to attack people's confidence in the Lord. Maybe this will appeal to a little bit of a different group here. Mike Tyson says, everybody's a fighter until they get punched in the face. But a good solid punch in the face will make you think. And I'm not talking about the natural now. I'm talking about spiritual things. A good solid punch that you didn't see coming, that I didn't see coming, that we didn't see coming, might knock us down, might make us loopy, or may just be intimidating enough that we'll back off of the issue and we'll surrender an area of authority in our life to an enemy that doesn't have the authority to do something about it. That's why he's going to attack confidence, and he'll try to attack the confidence that we have, first and foremost, in God himself. Here, he's saying, hey, what is this confidence that you're placing your trust in? Just attacking it. It's kind of subtle. It's direct, but it's somewhat subtle, a little easier. You're talking about how You've got all these plans, and you, you're talking about this great power that you have to, to fight and to conquer and to be in war, but I'm telling you, they're just words. We know you can't back up what you're saying. Jesus I know. Paul I know. But those who were bound by demons, but who are you? They had the right verbiage. They could say the right things, but they did not understand the authority, nor did they have what they thought they had. So therefore, the intimidation factor was to release an attack against confidence. That's what's happening right now to the king's people. But they've got to take back the word of the king. I just want to submit here. If in the last year or over the last couple of years, if you have found yourself questioning some of the confidence that you've had in God, I'm telling you today, you are under an assignment of this voice of a Reb Shekah trying to work against you. If it's working against you, the reality is you're a greater threat to the kingdom of darkness than what you realize. What you need to do more than anything is to get into the presence of God and into His Word and find out what His Word is saying and begin to feast on it and chew on it and not give ear to the thing that's trying to rattle your confidence in God. Secondly, this thing will try to negotiate through manipulation to get something or someone into agreement. Isaiah 36, verse 7 and 8. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, it is not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall not worship before this altar. Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master. This is the Rabshakeh. Give a pledge or come into agreement. Give tribute to my master, the king of Assyria, and then I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to put riders on them. Manipulation. Trying to get us to negotiate. Listen, there are some things in Christ are non-negotiable. I've had people in my life before 
who they knew I was praying for, for healing. And that person didn't get healed in the natural of this life, but the opposite happened. They passed. Went on into eternity. Wanted to question. And I think questions can be fine. But I don't always think every question is a question that's on somebody else's mind trying to ask me. Sometimes I think it's a voice trying to get root in my life so that perhaps the next time I deal with the situation, maybe I won't quite pray for that or believe for that. Or maybe I'll back off of that because you know the last time you did this, I'm going to share transparently. In the nine years I've been here and go back to 2017, I, in all the years of ministry, I have never seen the relentlessness of darkness in people's lives like I have. I've not seen it. Our local body and throughout our denomination with COGAF. And I remember there being a season last year, Shane, where I was back meeting with our COGAF leaders and I was weeping. I was weeping of the stuff that's gone on and you just carry it in your soul. You have no idea. You, go, you do. You got to be careful of those kind of things, but you carry it. Brother Joe Edmondson, our general superintendent emeritus and led us for 28 years. He, he related to this. And I remember as we were talking about issues that were going on and we're praying together and I begin to weep and I don't know why I was necessarily weeping but I found these words coming out of my mouth. I feel like if I would just back off, if I would just quit pursuing, if I would quit pressing for what God has said is destined over Happy Hill and for Kogath, perhaps some of these things would stop. But I made a commitment to that group of leaders to say, I am not backing off. I am not going to quit pressing. And I'm going to become more resolute, not in my strength, but in the strength of the Lord. I will not vacate the place that God has assigned to us. Now, I wish I could just say everything changed because I made that declaration or that statement. Well, it didn't. Some of it got a little more intense. Perhaps, perhaps, for me, this is a voice that I've been battling for some years and hadn't even realized it until just recently. To try to get us to negotiate, to try to get us through manipulation to come into agreement with what he's saying versus what the Lord says. I'm going to make a statement here. When I say I'm not much of a name it and claim it person, I want you to hear clearly what I'm saying. Where I've seen that declaration get off in the ditch, I'm not that guy. But I'm not going to change the subject where the Word of God is. And if he has named it, I'm going to stay on it. I'm not going to change his subject. But this voice will try to get us to change the subject and let us or get us to come into agreement with it. So we have this voice responding. It doesn't seem too awfully threatening right now. Just kind of saying little things here, little things there. But here's something that along this timeline that uh, Hezekiah had done back in 2 Chronicles 32. Here's something that their leader, their king, God's people's king, had said in verse number 6. He set military captains over the people. He gathered all of them together in the open square at the city gate, and he gave them encouragement. This is the godly king giving his people encouragement, saying, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. 
that's some good preaching. I've heard some great preachers preach like that right there. Verse number 8, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So this is the statement that he made to his own people. And it encouraged them, it strengthened them, it caused courage to take place in their life. Because the group that they were facing was highly, uh, they, they were way outnumbered, let's put it that way. They were way outnumbered. So here they have this word that's encouraging them. And if I go back to Isaiah 36 now, this voice of the Rabshakeh speaks words of intimidation to discourage and then begin to question God's ability. Verse number 11, Then Elakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Rebshekah, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it, and do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the walls. Let me just stop right there for a second. This is where the plot twist comes for me. The representatives of King Hezekiah are saying, hey, talk to us in a language that we understand that everybody else doesn't understand right now. This particular voice that's coming from the evil king, this Rabshakeh, this Rabshakeh knows Hebrew. He knows their language. He knows their vocabulary. He knows their, if I can say it, their Christianese, their good statements. He knows how to speak in their terms. And he'll sound a whole lot like they do, even though he's not one of them. The Bible says that Satan himself will even appear or pose as an angel of light. There is something about this particular kind of assignment of this voice out of darkness that is a real close mirror to the voice of the Lord. You might say, there's daylight and dark. In all of my years, one season of my life, I didn't even know what this kind of a voice was. But the biggest punch in the face I've ever had in my life came because I couldn't discern this voice. I thought it was God. And it wasn't. And only by the grace of God did we survive it. These guys understand the threats that are going on. And they know they're going to go back to report to their king. But we have people on the wall who have been encouraged and strengthened by what their king has told them would take place. And so that's why they're saying, hey, talk to us in Aramaic. We understand that. Let's not talk about it in Hebrew because of them. Okay? Here's what he does, verse 12. But the Rabshakeh said, has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink their own waste with you? Now we're about to flip some intensity. Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and said, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. I've got that underlined. I'll come back to it. The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. That's what he's saying. Don't buy into what your king's telling you. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria. This is what my king says. Make peace with me by a present and come out to meet me. And every one of you 
from his own vine will be able to eat, and everyone from his own fig tree, and every one of you will be able to drink the waters of his own cistern. Just come into agreement with me. Until I come and take you from this land, like your own land, the land of grain, new wine, land of bread and vineyard. The problem is they're in the land God had assigned to them. They didn't need to go to another land. Verse 18, beware, unless Hezekiah, this voice of the king, persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered it, its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? In other words, everybody that we have come into battle with, we've conquered every one of them. And their gods were going to save them, and none of their gods have saved them yet. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Seraphim? Indeed, they have been delivered. Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Accusations against what God had spoken to a king. Accusations against what the king had spoken to them. And they're hearing all of this in their own language. When that didn't seem to be working, then the Rabshakeh turned up a little more intensity. There's a letter that comes out in 2 Chronicles 32, 17 and 19. Now we've got a letter. We're going to put it on paper. So not only are you going to hear it in your ear, we're going to start putting it in front of you in a paper. It could be any kind of a report that you could see. He also wrote letters to revile the Lord God of Israel and speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Then they called out with a loud voice in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and to trouble them that they might take city, that they might take the city. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of all the people of the earth, the work of man's hands. Now, this may seem like I'm doing nothing but preaching about the enemy. All I'm doing right now is trying to expose some things that I felt the Lord finally on Thursday checked me and said, he didn't say, impressed me. This is where I needed to go today. It's one thing when we hear a voice. It's another thing when they put that voice on a piece of paper. Now we got to read that paper. Whatever that paper could apply to in our life. But it's threats and intimidation is what this voice is trying to release now. Then he takes it up a notch further and begins to attack the foundation of their trust. Isaiah 37, 10, and 13, 10 through 13. Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah of Judah, saying, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you. He was telling the people, don't let your king deceive you. Now he's telling the king, don't let God deceive you. Whatever you think you're hearing, it's not right. Saying that Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them. And you will be delivered? You think you're going to be the one saved after all the destruction that we've done? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed like Gozan and Haran, Resef, the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, and the king of the city of Seraphim, Hena and Iva? In other words, where are all those kings and their God did not save them because right now they are all occupied by this king of Assyria. This assignment is ruthless. This assignment has an oppression and a harassing to it, at least in my experience, that's not quite like some of the other things that I've seen before. Part of what I not to get, because I don't want to get political about stuff, but I, I do believe this voice became way more prominent in 2020. 
So how do the people respond? So these are things that the enemy, this voice, this Rabshakeh, its assignment is. But let's look at how people responded. Then let's bring this back around to what the Lord did. So what he did, he will do for us today. The people responded. These people that were on the wall hearing all this stuff going on, Isaiah 36, 21. But they, the people, held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, do not answer him. Don't need to get into an argument. You don't need to have a statement. You need to stand your ground and give no voice to this. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, they then left, went to Hezekiah, tore their clothes, and told them of the words of Rebshekah. The tearing of the clothes would mean a place of repentance, sorrow, and prayer. Here's how King Hezekiah responded. Isaiah 37, the first four verses. And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priest, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, they said to Isaiah the prophet, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and a blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. He realizes God's going to have to do something, or we're not going to move into this next place of destiny. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. The king puts himself in a place of repentance, in a place of prayer, and he inquires of the prophet, which was huge in the day. The Lord didn't speak like we can hear the voice of the Lord today. But... In that day, he spoke through his prophets. And so Isaiah is the one who is the prophet of the land that they're they're seeking out today, saying, hey, I need you to talk to God about this issue as well so that he would do something about it. Hopefully, here's where we're at. And maybe God would have heard these things and do something for us. So the prophet then, Isaiah, responds. The king responds in repentance, prayer. Say, I need to hear the voice of the Lord. For us, we'd be turning from anything that we need to turn from to turn towards the Lord. Repent means to change, turn to, turn away from, turn to. Pray, be watchful, and hear, listen for the voice of the Lord. And you say, I don't, God never speaks to me. Then you are not reading the Bible. If we're not reading the Bible, we can become susceptible to voices that we might think are God, and they might not be. Because there are some voices like this thing in, in this assignment of a Reb Sheka that sounds a whole lot like God, but the way you're able to fully discern it, with the Spirit of the Lord inside of us, we can discern it. But if we're not careful, we'll have to go to what the written Word says because it will not speak in the totality of truth. It will take portions of truth. Even Jesus when he dealt with Satan, said, it is written two out of three times. The third time, when the enemy said, it has been written, Jesus said, it has been spoken or it has been said, so that he couldn't be tripped up. The reality is we need to hear the voice of the Lord, and he is one who speaks to his people. The prophet's response Verse number five, so the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, this is to the king, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, 
and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Now, if you're King Hezekiah, that's a good word to hear because God has heard something and he's responded. I don't at all want to bring this message in a way or this watchman word in a way that would make it sound like this assignment is greater than God. The things I talked about concerning the assignment is how it tries to devalue God in our lives, how it tries to erode trust and confidence in the Lord, how it tries to intimidate us to move into agreement with it. And it ratchets things up. It gets a little more intense at various times. And if you're in a place or if a person gets into a place where they're really exhausted, they're emotionally and mentally spent, that's a challenging place when you deal with this assignment. So we've seen the people, how they respond? They just kept their mouth shut. They're going to remain in what God has given them. How's the king going to respond? Going to repent, pray, seek the voice of the Lord, hear what God is saying. What's the prophet saying? How they responding? He's saying what God said to say. And then we have the Lord's response. I won't read all of this, but the Lord's response comes in Isaiah 37, verse 21 through 35. Because there is a prayer that is released a little later after the word from Isaiah. There's a prayer released from King Hezekiah because of that letter that came. God begins to respond. I want to take us down to verse 33 through 35. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall come not into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it by my own sake and my servant David's sake. I certainly don't want to take this entire passage out of the context of this was a very, very real situation. This actually happened. Sometimes we try to appropriate everything in the Old Testament as though it's the same exact dimension thing for us today, and that's not always the case. But I do believe there are things that we draw from, and the Old Testament should always point to the salvation of the Messiah, the coming of the risen King, the one who was going to change everything. And as we begin to hear that word, as I was reading over these last few days, because I've just read over and over all three of these scenarios in the three different books, over and over and over and over, and I've just listened and said, what are you saying? When I read this, I just sensed such a touch of the Lord over it. To not lose sight that in the voice that might be trying to affect people's lives, there is a greater voice. And Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice and they will not follow the voice of a stranger. In my morning prayer, as I've been praying diligently every single morning, I go through certain things that I'm praying over and decreeing over. It has to do with all of the Happy Hill family. It has to do with Kogath family. It has to do with my family, our family units that are connected to us through marriage. I cover things continuously because towards the end of the year, the Lord spoke a word to me. Got up early one morning, and He just made there just was a statement, clear as day, command the morning. I didn't really know for sure what that meant, but I figured. Well, that probably means I better pray over the morning. And so I begin to pray. Since that time, I've done a little more research and study. But I can tell you, every single day, since I don't know if that was December 29, 30, somewhere in there, every single day in the morning, 
I am up and I am commanding how this day is going to go. Now, does, it, does every single day go the way that I command it to go? Well, I don't know everything about everything around the world. But I know some days it can seem like maybe that didn't happen. I'm not going to change the subject. I tie it all to the Word. It's not about my Word. It's about His Word. It's not about your Word. It's about His Word. But it is about being a voice of His Word out of your life. Because I realize when the Lord says, watch, we really should watch. Be watchful. When the Lord says, watch over your family, we really should watch over our families. But I'm thankful that we can also lay our heads down at night and not be in anxiety and stress and worry, but He will give His beloved sleep because He watches over us. And according to Zephaniah 3.17, He sings and He dances over us. He gives us insight that we need, that we don't even at times realize that maybe we have for a situation that's coming down the road. That in the moment that we need it, the reserve is there. The Lord's response is not coming into this city. An arrow will not be shot there. There will not be a shield that comes against the city, a siege amount will not rise against it. The same way it came in is going to be the way it's going to go out. For I, the Lord, will defend this city to save it for my own sake and my servant David's sake. And I was reminded of 2020. where for 36 or 38 weeks I preached on nothing but the names of the Lord. The Jehovah names of the Lord. Like Jehovah Mephalti, the Lord, our Deliverer. One of the things that this voice tries to perpetuate, and we see it in the Scripture, as though we have a situation that God may not be able to get us out of this time. I'm telling you, that's a lie. There is nothing He can't save. There is nothing He cannot heal. There is nothing He cannot deliver. There is nothing, nothing that can oppose Him. He is Jehovah Mephalti, the Lord our Deliverer. He said, here I will defend this city. A name I never even, well, a name I preached on during the series, Jehovah Ganon, the Lord, our defender. Listen, the Lord is defending you. We have a high priest who represents us even in heavenly places as our intercession. I will defend this city and I will save it for my own sake. A name I never preached. Jehovah Yashah, the Lord who saves us from our enemies. The name of the enemy, the voice of the enemy is not greater than the voice nor the name of Yeshua. Or as we were singing today, Yahweh, which is actually best described as the breathing in and the breathing out. If we were to really connect to it, it would be the breath in us and the breath out of us. The power of God, the demonstration of God. There are people who will leave today, and you will. Woo, I, I even got spit on that one. You will leave differently today. There are things that have changed, even in the, the, the arena of people's bodies, in the building and online today. There are things you responded to in the word that Aaron gave. There are things you responded to in the heart of worship. There are things you haven't even realized, but potentially you've responded to in this word. And things are changing today. The reality is the Lord ended that assignment. Said so all that to say this. I don't know if it's one 
I don't know if it's in the building. I don't know a person in the building or a person online or if it's every single one of us or some. But you've been battling this voice of a Rebshaka against you. What I believe the Lord was having me to do today is say, hey, here's what's been going on. Stand against it. But I'm going to deliver. And I'm going to heal. Here's how he ended it. That what one version says that day that the prophet prophesied, another version says in days to come, God sent one angel. One. He said I would say one. Stick with me. I know I've gone a little long, but I'm almost done, I think. One. He sent one angel to take out 185,000 leaders that were in the, the, the camp of the enemy. One angel. One. One. That was sent by God. And 185,000 were removed. And when that took place, when the group awoke and they saw what had happened, they left them. And even the king went back to his home place. And when he went in to his church service to worship his God, two of his sons came in and killed him and took off. Remember the word of the Lord out of the prophet? That's what would take place. He didn't qualify how it was all going to happen, but this was, God had heard it. God knew what was taking place, and that's what was going to happen. It was going to be done. And God defended them, and God saved them. God won a victory. Perhaps some of this has to do with the current Hebrew month that we're in, in this month of I-Y-A-R, pronounced E-R. There are two things that are key to this month. It's a transition month, which means it can be a difficult one because we're shifting from what would be Passover into Pentecost. It's moving from being delivered out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea so that they could go have an encounter with God. And the enemy is trying to stop the encounter, hinder the encounters. Two things that are key in this season that the Lord did in his children and he continues to do today. Healing and deliverance. What I believe the Lord was sending me with this message is there are some assignments from the enemy that are ending today. Not because I think they should. Again, I've had this, and I've known this for over a year, let's put it that way. And I've shared this with some people. I've had multiple people, not just I've had multiple people talk to me about a voice that they were just about at the end of their life, like that they were trying to find out, is this God or is this not? Do you think God would do things like this? I've talked with people that I'm saying, I'm telling you, you cannot come into agreement with this voice. I'm not even sure that we got to get in and fight among it. I think we stand our ground and let the Lord do what he wants to do and let's remain in truth just as they did here. I've got all kinds of other stuff that says, what, what do we need to do? Well, here's what I felt like. Some need to step into just really, literally, praising the Lord. Not just now, but I'm talking about in the expression. Praising the Lord. Things happen when we praise God. Praise actually is a weapon. He actually gives us praise to put on like a garment to destroy heaviness or to come against a spirit that attacks his heaviness. Psalm 149 deals with the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. The, the, our worship and the word coming together over a situation. Psalm 150 says, hey, let everything that has breath praise God. Like there are battles that are won with, in just in times of praise. Not only in songs that we can sing of praise and worship in the church, and all those are fitting as well, but just in our everyday life. 
Some, some need to do what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10. Man, you need to take that thought captive and bring it down and get serious about it. A thought, a thought left alone is what builds a stronghold. If it's the thoughts of God, the stronghold of God is, is built in our life. If it's, a, if it's a thought of the flesh, then the flesh builds a stronghold. If it's a thought of a rabshakeh, it's going to take up some kind of ownership. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about things that can affect or afflict the emotions or the mind or the body or the soul of a person. Not their spirit, but their soul. Some people just need to take a hold of some thoughts and bring them things down. Bring them under the obedience of the knowledge of Christ. James, for some, oh, we just need to quit putting up with what we put up with. James said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's, that's God's word. That's not mine. That is his word. There is something that happens in submission and surrender to the Lord that creates resistance to a voice that will flee from you. Darkness is not the omnipotent. God our Father is the omnipotent, the one who's all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at all times. There are simple scriptures that we can find in the Bible that just tie us right to. So maybe it's praise. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's getting into the Word and releasing decrees. Maybe you just got to take some thoughts captive, and that is a battle at times. And sometimes we take a thought captive, and two hours later it pops right back up. Stay on that thought and pull it captive. Don't let it run with you. Take the Word. Hide the Word in your heart. Speak the Word. Pray the Word. Preach the Word. Preach to yourself if you got to do it. Release the Word. And then, according to James 5, there are also times we need to call on the elders of the church, anointing them with oil, praying the prayer of faith. They might be healed. They might be saved. They might be delivered and that God would raise them up. Thank you again for listening to today's message. If you would like to connect with us or you would like more information, you can find us at our website at happyhill.org. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, as well as Instagram at Happy Hill Church. And remember, we're better together.